Today on Metroplex Mania, we take a look back at the week for the Dallas Mavericks, and I'll tell you why there's optimism as the season winds down. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Metroplex Mania. I'm your host, Shanavaz Makani. As always, Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. What a crazy week for the Dallas Mavericks. Two quality wins against quality playoff teams. Uh, two what seemingly inexplicable losses to our in-state rivals, the Rockets and the Spurs. And then, of course, the loss to Philadelphia on Monday night, which I think a lot of Mavs fans... Um, rational Mavs fans, excuse me, saw coming. Um, and we're going to dive right into it because I think this last week of the season, excuse me, yeah, this last week of the season really, uh, really has shown what this team is about and, and, and the fluctuations that, that we've seen throughout the year. Um, and it really lays the groundwork for what we can see and what we can expect going forward and really what the Mavericks need to focus on uh, going forward uh, as the season winds down. So against Utah last Monday night, um, Utah, the best team in the NBA, uh, record-wise, uh, top of the Western Conference. Um, you know the Mavericks with a fantastic win. I mean, just an amazing defensive performance, uh, winning one eleven to one hundred three. Uh, the score, you know, only an eight-point victory, but you really dive into the numbers against the Jazz. Jazz normally shoot forty percent from the field. Um, Mavericks held Utah to twenty-seven percent shooting. Uh, there were a lot of Missed shots, missed open shots, uh, you know, from Donovan Mitchell. Shots that normally would fall in. Uh, and it could have been one of those, you know, off-shooting nights uh, for one of the game's best players. But you look at the defensive impact that that other Mavericks players had. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was 6 of 23 overall from the field. Royce O'Neal, uh, who is a great on-ball defender and a great three-point shooter, was 0 of 8 from 3. And Jordan Clarkson was, was 2 of 9 from 3. You know, when when Josh Richardson and Dorian Finney-Smith, two of the role players for the Mavericks, are really on their game and really defending uh, players closely, this team is hard to beat. Uh, You know, the Mavericks swung that trade on draft night uh, for fan, you know, uh, trading fan favorite Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. Um, You know, at the time when I saw the trade, I loved it. Um, I I thought it was great. Josh Richardson, you know, an undervalued player, a guy who... Uh, has put up some points in previous stops, uh, you know, in Philly, um, and of course has has a really good reputation as an on-ball defender. But uh, you know, when he came over to the Mavs, he got hit really hard with COVID. Um, you know, this the Mavericks team, I think, were one of, if not uh, the team that was impacted the most uh, by COVID. Um, you know, and so Josh Richardson missed an extended period of time. Dorian Finney-Smith uh, missed an experience, uh, missed uh, an extended per- period of time. Maxi Kleba uh, missed some time as well uh, during the COVID protocols. Uh, you know, for a while, the Mavericks were the worst defensive team uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, keep in mind, Porzingis was also out, uh, you know, recovering from offseason surgery. They've only improved since then. Uh, currently, the Mavs sit 12th in adjusted defensive rating this year. Uh, at one point in time before this week, we were top 10. So, Steady improvement, uh, you know, as as the season goes on, but a great a great win um, against Utah, and then you go, you know, and you play the Rockets, and and the Mavericks just completely laid an egg um, against Houston. Uh, you know, you take a look at 
why did it happen, right? You you, you kind of ask yourself as a Mavs fan, you know, you look back and you see a nine-point win for the Rockets in Houston, and, and you kind of look and see, okay, well, what happened? Well, number one, the question that, that everybody had at the end of the game was, why didn't Chris Porzingis take a shot in the fourth quarter, right? I, you know, the game, it, it was in hand in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and, and Porzingis through three had 23 points, uh, but didn't take a single shot in the fourth. Now, Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle came out and did say it was matchup-based. Um, but, you know, Porzingis is such a defensive mismatch for other teams, especially a team like Houston. Uh, you know, Christian Wood, yes, is a is a good defender. Um, but, you know, you could have easily run some pick-and-rolls to get Porzingis on John Wall or Kevin Porter Jr., uh, you know, and, and really try to dominate Houston in the paint. And, and we just couldn't do that. Um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind uh, that a lot of Mavs fans forget is that is that Coach Silas down there in Houston was who was an assistant coach under Rick Car- Carlisle last year for the Mavericks was the architect of this offense. He knows the ins and the outs of what the Mavericks uh, try to run because he created it. Right, he led this team to having the best offensive rating in NBA history last year. Uh, so you know he really has a grasp on exactly what the Mavericks do and exactly how they like to run their offense. So, you know, having that knowledge becomes a little bit easier to implement a game plan that's going to help, you know, help stop the Mavericks. Now, you know, hopefully Rick Carlisle has learned from his mistakes and we'll get into Porzingis' numbers here in a few minutes. Um, But, you know, Porzingis is a guy, I understand the injury concerns. I understand, uh, you know, the matchup, uh, you know, issues that, that may arise, but when you've got, uh, you know, the seven foot unicorn that, you know, is, you know, it's what his nickname is. You got to give him a chance to be in the game in the fourth quarter to give your team uh, a victory, especially coming off a huge win um, against Utah. You know, the other thing that that possibly could have been going through Carlisle's mind is that, you know, the next game was a huge game against Milwaukee. Right. And and yes, Milwaukee did not have Giannis Atentacumpu, but, you know, on a back to back night, uh, Porzingis has not played in very many back-to-backs uh, this year, so th- there was some thought that Carlisle was preserving uh, Porzingis uh, for the matchup against Milwaukee because it does present obviously a bigger challenge uh, going up against uh, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. You know, and again in the Houston game, we, we just talked about Josh Richardson. Um, you know, and and I'll allude back to the Jekyll and Hyde of this team. Um, he's he's really been a big epitome of that. A lot of the Mavericks role players have. Um, you know, the, that game against Houston, Dorian Finney-Smith only nine points. Josh Richardson, one point. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., 18 off the bench. Uh, you know, Hardaway Jr., one of those guys, I think, uh, you know, the Mavericks, you know, we, if you look at Mavericks Twitter, you'll, you'll see a lot of uh, every game. It's either I love Tim Hardaway Jr. or I hate Tim Hardaway Jr., right? It's, it's let's re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. or let's, you know, let, let him walk in the offseason. Um, you know, and, and he, another guy that is really Jekyll and Hyde for this team. Uh, you know, some nights he's putting up 25, 29, uh, you know, anywhere between 18 to 30 uh, on a good night for Tim Hardaway Jr. And then some nights he just, he lays an egg and it and it's a dud game for him. You know, he's taking wild contested threes, uh, missing layups at the rim. And so, you know, a lot of this is, is going to go back to consistency uh, for the Mavericks going forward. 
um, you know, and we, we talked about the next game, and that's that's really what I'm what I want to get into. Um, you know, is the games following the Utah and Houston matchups for the Mavericks because that the the next three games, um, you know, I think really show uh, kind of the good parts of this Mavs team, but also I think the concerns that a lot of Mavs fans have. Uh, so Thursday night against Milwaukee, um, you know, a great win, one sixteen one hundred one against a playoff team, Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, playing without Giannis Antetokounmpo, could the result have been different? Probably. You know, who knows? Um, you know, this team played Milwaukee really, really closely earlier in the season uh, as well uh, with Giannis playing. So, uh, you know, we don't know. We don't know if the if the result uh, of that game would have been different. But, uh, you know, you look at at the Milwaukee game, Chris Porzingis playing his first back-to-back uh, in over two months and at 26 and 17, two rebounds shy of his career high um you know this it, the, the game really showed a resiliency and uh, kind of the growth uh, of this Mavericks team especially from last year you know a team that that lost a lot of games in the fourth quarter after giving up big leads um you know we really saw the maturation of a lot of the young players on the Mavericks and again much like the Utah game uh, we saw a lot of the defensive capabilities of Josh Richardson uh, and Dorian Finney-Smith down the stretch. Um, you know, the Mavericks uh, were up by 12 at the end of the third quarter. Luka Doncic checked in with about two minutes to go uh, and just uh, just a mess of, of a few possessions to end the third quarter. Um, you know, turnovers and, and bad shots, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's a 12-point lead, or excuse me, 12, 12-0 run by Milwaukee to end the third quarter. Uh, you know, the defense in the fourth quarter really showed up, though. Um, you know, a great block by Dorian Finney-Smith at the rim. Um, you know, Finney-Smith and Richardson uh, guarding Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. They held Middleton to 14 points and Holiday to 13 points. Uh, overall, as a team, the Mavericks held Milwaukee to 38% shooting. You know, and if you look back and you watch that game, um, obviously the most encouraging sign was was Porzingis on the second night of a back-to-back, right? Um 26 and 17 as we mentioned earlier but you saw just the the athleticism that he played with in the fourth quarter um you know the way that uh you know he confidently knocked down really really big three-point shots in the fourth quarter and not only that uh, i think as you watch mavs games you you're starting to see the shot selection for porzingis get better and better and better uh you know there were times earlier in the season where he's jacking up 30 foot three pointers and and sure he can make a couple of them right but this isn't this isn't Steph Curry we're talking about right this is a guy that that has had you know continuous injuries um you know three point percentage wasn't all that great you know I mean he's he's definitely improved as the year has gone on but it's not a guy that uh, you know as a player that that again can cause so many defensive nightmares uh, down in the low block and and the low post you know, Mavs fans don't want to see Porzingis out there jacking up a bunch of three-pointers. And against Milwaukee, I think we really saw some really smart, a good smart shot selection from Porzingis. Uh, and also really, really good passing. He had a, a kickout pass to Dorian and Finney-Smith uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter for a three that really sealed the game. Um, you know, so a lot of optimism uh, from the Mavericks in that game. A, a big game against a, a playoff a playoff team that... that you know, is, is a fantastic defensive team as well. You know, uh, Milwaukee, of course, even without, 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday both are fantastic on-ball defenders and and fantastic uh, defensive players. You know, you throw in uh, guys like Brooke Lopez in there, Bobby Portis, um, both of whom are are pretty pretty solid defensive guys. Uh, you know, and I think the Mavericks Mavericks really showed a lot of what they're capable of against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last Thursday night. And then, of course, you get to the game that. I think a lot of Mavericks fans, you know, are really stressed out about and a lot, uh, you know, really, really frustrated with, um, you know, the game against San Antonio. Um, you know, Mavs had a chance for the first time in franchise history to sweep the season series against the Spurs, something that's never been done before. You know, we've always run into the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, uh, you know, the old amazing Spurs teams, uh, you know, when Dirk was uh, was in his prime. And the Mavericks just could never win the the series uh, during the regular season. Um, you know, this was the first chance we had uh, to have it happen. Um, you know, and and the Mavericks just just squandered uh, a, a golden opportunity not only to to win the series but really to move up in in the playoff standings as well. Right, uh, the Mavericks sit at seventh, and of course, with that seventh seed uh, in the playoffs, the Mavericks are looking at going to the play-in tournament uh, that the NBA instituted this year, which We'll get to that a little bit later on. But, you know, the, the most troubling part, of course, against the San Antonio game was was the ISO DeMar DeRozan shot to win the game. Um, you know, and, and a great defense by Dorian Finney-Smith. But when you're talking about a guy like DeMar DeRozan, statistically, he is the best high-volume isolation scorer in the league. Uh, the question in everybody's mind was, why did the Mavericks not double-team DeMar DeRozan? You know, and after the game, Rick Carlisle came out and said that they thought about doubling him, uh, but decided, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith has the defensive skill set to play great defense on him. And he did. If you go back and look at the replay, Dorian Finney-Smith played amazing defense uh, on DeMar DeRozan. The shot just went in, right? I think analytically you have to look at, at, you know, the fact that DeMar DeRozan is the best isolation scorer in the NBA. And I think doubling him would, would have been a no-brainer. I would have rather had anybody else on the Spurs taking that shot uh, other than DeMar DeRozan, right? It's the same thing as if, you know, you're in L.A. I, I would much rather double LeBron James and, and let AD hit the shot uh, or or force Contavious Caldwell-Pope or Dennis Schroeder to take the shot. You know, I'm not letting their best player uh, get a clean look at the basket or have just one guy on him at the end of the game. You know, there were some positives, that I think a lot of Mavs fans don't see um, in the game. Just, you know, you're blinded by a tough loss, right? Um, and I think it, it. I think it's perfectly fine. And, and I was the same way uh, right after the game. You know, there were a lot of positives uh, for the Mavericks in that game, however. Uh, they did play well enough to win, right? This was a team that, you know, the Mavericks played just a phenomenal game against the Spurs until kind of that last... Uh, you know the last minute of the <laughs> the last minute of the game, really. But some positives to take away: Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis combined for sixty points in that game. All right, another game that uh, you know we really see uh, the good shot selection of Porzingis. We see uh, the improvement that he's made throughout the year. It seems like he's healing better from the injury. It seems like he's gaining more confidence um, every game that he plays. And if you look back at the game, uh, you know. First of all, the Mavs allowed the Spurs to shoot 65% in the second half. But more importantly, uh, the Spurs really overperformed 
in that game. Um, their effective field goal percentage uh, on a lot of the shots that were contested was 14% better than what a league average team would have shot in those same situations. Um, so, you know, a lucky game for the Spurs, sure. A defensive breakdown at the end of the game for the Mavs, absolutely. Uh, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. Good teams lose to bad teams, right? It's just the way that things go. Sometimes the cards don't fall your way, right? Um, you know, Utah, the Jazz lost to Washington the second time they've lost uh, to the Wizards this season. Uh, the Lakers lost to the Knicks last week as well. You know, the the Knicks are a playoff team, yes, but and the Lakers are playing without LeBron and AD, but they're also the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, you know, good teams lose to bad teams. That's just the way things are, right? Uh, another another key point that I wanted to bring up about that Mavs-Spurs game is that the Mavericks are 5-10 and 10 when Maxi Kleba doesn't play. You know, we talk a lot about how important the role players are uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, in that Spurs game, Dorian Finney-Smith, 9 points. Jalen Brunson, 11 points. And again, as we talked about, Tim Hardaway Jr., 2 points, right? Um, another Jekyll and Hyde moment from Tim Hardaway Jr., but Maxi Kleba, I think, is another huge part of this Mavericks team, not only for the three-point shooting uh, that he provides, but he, he really brings in energy to the starting lineup. He really is another rim protector that, that Porzingis has by his side. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a decent defender, I think. Um, so the Mavericks, you know, without, their, without one of their biggest role players, uh, fell to the Spurs. And then, of course, you, you, know, you bring up the Philly game um, uh, on Monday night. And I think that was a game that a lot of Mavs fans uh, expected to lose, right? No Chris Ups, Porzingis, another back-to-back um, night, which we knew that Porzingis was not going to play in that game. And quite frankly, this entire season, the Mavericks have struggled against Philly. Um, I think the last few years we struggled against Philly. Luka Doncic had never scored uh, more than 20 points against Philly, and that's a testament, of course, to uh, Ben Simmons and his defense. Uh, for the first time, Luka scored 20 uh, over, excuse me, over 20 um, against Philadelphia. But again, you run into a team that has the second best defense in the NBA. Uh, you know, they held the Mavericks. Uh, it's a 40% shooting. Ma- uh, Chris Apps Porzingis did not play. Maxi Kleba and Boban Marjanovic, uh, who were both playing in place of uh, Porzingis, both had three fouls at halftime. So Joel Embiid had free reign to really do whatever he wanted uh, in that game. And I think, look, Philly is is a better team than the Mavericks are, right? Let's not mince words here, right? Even if Porzingis was playing, I mean, I don't think the Mavericks would have uh, would have won that game. It certainly wouldn't have gotten blown out uh, like we did. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's a situation where, you know, there would have been some all-worldly performance and the Mavericks would have won. Philly is just too good, right? Joel Embiid is, is arguably the MVP of the league. Ben Simmons um, is one of the best on-ball defenders. Shake Milton had a great game, who former Mavericks draft pick that was traded to Philly. Uh, you know, so they've got a lot of weapons, um, you know, on that team. And I think they, they just pose a really, really tough matchup for the Mavericks. But, you know, we'll let the past be the past. Um, you know, we've talked about the last week for the Dallas Mavericks. Let's get into why I think there's optimism going forward and, really focus on what this Mavericks team needs to do in order to avoid that dreaded seventh seed in the Western Conference. (music) 
so what's the outlook for the rest of the year for the Mavericks, right? Obviously, the goal is making the playoffs, but but I think it's it's more granular than that, right? I think the main goal uh, for this team has to be avoiding the seventh seed in the playoffs, right? This is this new play-in tournament um, that Adam Silver and the boys in the NBA front office have, have put in for this year. Whether you think it's good or bad, everyone's entitled to their opinion, Um you know, I know that Mark Cuban is not happy about it right now, even though he was a proponent of it. And, and I get it, right? You've got teams that have struggled with COVID protocols all year. Uh, you've got teams that uh, have missed, have had some of their key players miss games, especially with all the back-to-backs, the five games and seven nights. Uh, you know, a lot of key key players are getting injured. We've had Joel Embiid out, LeBron and AD are out. Jamal Murray tearing his ACL last night, um, which is just a huge blow to the NBA because he's so much fun to watch. Um, you know, so th- there have been a lot of superstars in this league uh, that have missed time because of this really condensed schedule uh, that helped the NBA play play a season or have a season this year. Um, you know, the, the struggle that I have with it is that currently uh, where the Mavs sit, they have the 10th best record in the NBA. Um, they would have to play in the play-in tournament to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bulls have the 21st record in the NBA, and they also get to play in the play-in tournament to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Take that for what you want it to be, right? Um, you know, the whatever the Western Conference, Eastern Conference disparity is. Is it unfair? Sure, right? Is it necessary? Maybe. The thing that frightens me is I don't want to play Golden State. Right, I do not want to play the Warriors in the playoffs. I, I don't. Steph Curry scares the bejesus out of me. Um, he's lit us up this year in, in the couple times that we've played them. And I think it's just a bad matchup overall come playoff time against a seasoned vet like Steph Curry when a lot of the players on this Mavericks team are getting their second taste of, of the playoffs, right? Um, you know, so what else What else can the Mavericks look forward to, right? Obviously, you know, we've got a quarter of the season remaining. Chris Epps Porzingis' last three games, right? We've talked about the efficiency. We've talked about how just by the eye test, you can tell that his confidence um, is higher. His performance is higher, right? The last three games against Utah, against Houston, and against Milwaukee. Against Utah, Chris Epps Porzingis put up 31 points and 15 rebounds on 57% shooting from the field and 38% from three against Houston. Reminder, he did not play the fourth quarter of this game, but 26 points, 17 rebounds, 50% from the field, and 57% from three. And against Milwaukee, 23 and 12, uh, 53% from the field and 50% from uh, from three. So there's a clear improvement uh, from Chris Porzingis. It's only a three-game sample size, I know, right? And Mavericks fans, I understand. We're frustrated with the injuries. We're frustrated that he doesn't play in the back-to-backs. And we'll get to the back-to-backs here in just a second. But I would much rather have a healthy Chris Haps-Porzingis going into the playoffs, whoever it is that we're playing, uh, rather than having to sit him, uh, you know, in that time for injury management, right? Or, or whatever Rick Carlisle wants to call it. So encouraging signs from Chris Haps-Porzingis as well. Um, the other real key part of this is the schedule going forward for the Mavericks. Okay, the Mavericks had won 19 of 26 before losing three of, of its last four this past week. Huge game against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, who sit right behind the Mavericks uh, in the playoff picture, actually. Um, you know, they're also jockeying for uh, a playoff spot. 
in the Western Conference. Uh, the Grizzlies are just a game and a half back uh, of the Mavericks. So uh, a huge game uh, tonight against another team that's in a similar situation as the Mavericks where they don't want to be in this play-in tournament. They want to get up to that sixth seed at least. Uh, that way they're, they've secured their spot in the playoffs. Uh, so Dallas, again, uh, 21 games left in this season. Um, Portland, who is... Uh, the sixth seed right now in the Western Conference and is sitting a game and a half ahead of the Mavericks. Uh, also has 21 games left. And the Lakers, uh, who are sitting in the fifth seed, um, are three and a half games uh, ahead of the Mavericks. Now, they're also missing LeBron and Anthony Davis. Don't know the timetable and when they're going to be back. Uh, everything that I've read says within the next two to three weeks. Mavericks and Lakers play two games uh, next week, uh, on Thursday night and Saturday night, I believe. So a huge... A uh, huge couple of games there coming up for the Mavericks against a team that they really need to beat. They need to win at least one of those games, especially if LeBron and Anthony Davis are out. Now, even with those two out, the Lakers still have the best defense in the NBA. So it, it's not going to be an easy matchup for the Mavericks. Uh, but it's it's a it's a situation where they've really got to put their best foot forward and play their best basketball against a team like that because the schedule gets incredibly easy uh, for the Mavericks after that. In fact, the Mavericks play the easiest schedule in the NBA. The average opponent winning percentage is 0.45 uh, for the Mavericks going down the stretch. That being said, Portland plays the third toughest remaining schedule, and the Lakers have the seventh toughest remaining schedule. So the Mavericks really have a lot of these games uh, going forward working in their favor down the stretch of the season. You know, the Mavericks, after they play the Lakers next Thursday and Saturday, they've got games. You know, there's another game against Golden State uh, in uh, San Francisco on the 27th. But then the Mavericks are playing uh, the Kings a few times, the Pistons, the Wizards, uh, two games against the Cavaliers in the span of three days. Uh, then they play, again, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, and the Timberwolves. So relatively easy games for the Mavericks, games that they should win, right? We also, you, you know, throw in a game against the Nets in there, uh, which we don't know... Is their big three going to play? Are we going to see one or two of them? Uh, and also a game against Zion and the Pelicans. So, uh, you know, a fairly decent stretch for the Mavericks uh, going uh, as we wind down the season. Meanwhile, Portland uh, has just a brutal schedule coming up as they've got to play the Cl in, you know the Clippers, the Nuggets. Uh, they play the Grizzlies. Uh, they play in, you know, in a span of three games, they're playing the Nets, the Celtics, the Hawks. Then they close the season with games against the Lakers, the Suns, and the Nuggets again. So Mavericks have to be hoping uh, for a little luck on their side as well. Um, you know, some of these Western Conference teams hopefully will beat up on each other as the season winds down. Um, you know, and in Portland, who is not a good defensive team, right? Losing to the Celtics last night after having a lead. Um, you know, we're hoping that, you know, if Portland can can fall back a couple of games, the Mavericks can secure that sixth seed and and make the playoffs without having to worry about uh, going into this play-in tournament. You know, and finally, you know, we talk about with the schedule, with the 21 games remaining, the Mavericks have 10 back-to-back -back games coming up, okay? And so we've talked about the impact of Chris Porzingis, and we've talked about him not playing back-to-back -back games. Looking at the, at the 10 back-to-backs, you're talking Porzingis maybe missing... Um, another five games throughout the season. I'm okay with it. Again, if it's injury management, you know, I want him healthy for the playoffs, right? A healthy Chris Epps Porzingis, if he plays anything like he played in the last three games, that's the guy I want out on the floor for the Mavericks. Um, you know, do I expect him to, to miss all five games? 
yes, uh, because I'm hoping the Mavericks are in playoff positioning where they don't have to worry about playing him. Now, if there's a sense of urgency, if the Mavericks are locked in a battle for that six seed with Portland or with L.A., um, you know, or even for a higher seed, right? Do you know if the Lakers fall? Do the Nuggets start losing games now that Jamal Murray is out, right? If the Mavericks are jockeying for playoff positioning and trying to avoid the play-in tournament, I think we could see Kristaps Porzingis out there earlier and and more often than we expect, just for the just for the sheer fact of not wanting to get that seventh seed to end the season and go into the playoffs, uh, hoping for a win against you know a Golden State Warriors team that you know, has arguably the greatest shooter in NBA history. And I'm cautiously optimistic, right? I, I think there the, there's a growing sense of urgency within this organization um, to ensure that they do not make the playoffs via that seven seat, right? I don't think anybody wants to play in that play-in tournament, um, especially the Mavericks, who should be better than they are, right, but got hit really hard uh, with COVID um, at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here for the Mavericks as the season unwinds. Um, I think their greatest strength going forward is going to be the ease of the schedule, right? There's a lot of, I don't want to say cakewalk games, because at any time, any NBA team can win. These are professional basketball players, right? There's a reason these guys are in the league, and I'm not, and you're not. You know, any team can win any night. Um, but I think, you know, you take a look at the Mavericks playing up to their competition against Utah, against Milwaukee. Right, you see the impact that Kristaps Porzingis is having on this team now, with his growing confidence and his growing effectiveness on the team. Right, that relationship that people always talk about between Luca and KP—you can tell every game that's building, and things are getting better and better and better. Right. Let's not forget—we failed to mention this—but the addition of JJ Redick uh, is really going to help this team. Right, I mean, he played a few minutes against Philly, um, but you know there's a there's replays out there. If you watch the game, uh, you might have noticed it too. When JJ Redick was in the game, uh, Luca would drive the ball, and Redick or Tim Hardaway Jr. was wide open. Um, you know they either you know teams either swarm Luca when he drives the ball inside, leaving one of the two shooters open, or they switch out to JJ Redick, which leaves Tim Hardaway Jr. open. Right. Uh, now, if Tim Hardaway Jr. can play up to the level that we've seen and up to the level that's expected of him, that's really going to help the Mavericks going forward as well. Throw in Porzingis, and you've got yourself a team that that should be able to move up into the sixth seed, if not the fifth seed. Um, you know, Portland's schedule down the stretch is brutal. Uh, you know, are the Lakers going to continue to rest LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Remember, the Lakers are a team that still has the best defensive rating in the NBA, and quite frankly, I don't think they care what seed they get knowing that they have two of the five best players in the NBA coming back on their team come playoff time, um, you know, and they can compete with anybody. So it's going to be really interesting to see down the stretch. I'm excited uh, for the rest of this Mavs season. Um, you know, it's always a joy to watch Luka Doncic and a healthy Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and let's fingers crossed, right? Let's hope and pray that that the Mavericks continue uh, the work that they've been doing, uh, you know, continue to improve defensively as they've done since February. Let's get into that sixth seed uh, and let's finally win a playoff series because it's been way too long. And I know the fans of the Mavericks uh, are itching for it. Thank you again for listening to Metroplex Mania. Go ahead and subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Once again, I'm Shanavaz Makani.